It looked for all the world as though we'd get another McLaren victory today in Sochi, but the rain gods decided that it was time for Sir Lewis Hamilton to get his 100th win in Formula One. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 138, where we'll be reviewing the 2021 Russian Grand Prix. I'm your host, George Housen, and joining me today, we have Phil Matthew from the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights podcast. Hello. And Jawad Yakub from the Hit the Apex podcast. Howdy. So, lads, let's start with today's race winner, Sir Lewis Hamilton, claiming his 100th win in the sport, his fifth win around Sochi. He, in the end, he won by over 50 seconds, but Phil, that does not tell the story at all. He had a fantastic battle today with Lando Norris for the majority of the race, and he had to really make some ground up after a poor start. Yeah, it was a crazy race for sure, George. I mean, it isn't the usual. It was the usual kind of Russian Grand Prix after the start, DRS trains and the whole bit. But there was so much action that went on. It it was Lewis trying to get back up after the block. Not Okay, not a great start. Got back up, got blocked, came back. Having to do all that, Max Verstappen coming from tailback. You have... Lando and and Carlos battling each other. Carlos having to pit and starting the whole. Well, he didn't start it, but it it started that whole train of guys with the undercuts and how that affected the race. I mean, it was it was really an inter- interesting race. It was not what most people I would assume expected, including me. I also didn't expect Lewis on the way things were going this weekend to get this victory. I kind of, I think I'd said it on my show, or I think I might've said it here jokingly that it's like, Oh yeah, Lewis is probably going to go and get number 100 in mother Russia. Well, he did, but it wasn't straightforward. And you could tell that it, I mean, it hasn't sunk in. Of course it's too early, but you know what he had to do to race against Lando, he caught him on dry tires, but couldn't get past him. Same way as he struggled behind Daniel Ricardo earlier in the race. And then that rain really um, just threw the dice. It was like a dice roll and Bono and company made the right call and gave Lewis the opportunity to get those inner inters and go get that 100th victory, which was unbelievable to say the least. It really was. Yeah. I couldn't believe my eyes. What I was seeing with this race, it was, uh, it was something, something else. Hamilton really had to work for it today. Obviously, he qualified, I think, in fourth. He had to work his way up from about, I think he was sick for something like that behind Ricardo in the early stages. The pace shone through in the end, and he ended up catching uh, Lando Norris. And he didn't want he didn't want to come in. He didn't want to come in for the intermediate tyres, but Mercedes, they insisted on it. They made the right call, Jared, and that was that was crucial to the race at the end of the day. And it's and it's massive for Hamilton because he's back in the championship lead again. Yeah, two points swing in Hamilton's favour after that. And, yeah, you say Mercedes made the right call at the end of the day and Hamilton didn't want to come in, but it was what got them to win ultimately. You know, I think if the rain had stayed away, then there was that chance that they wouldn't have passed the McLaren because down the straights where, you know, Hamilton would have had DRS, the McLaren was still quicker. We saw that in the opening stint with Lewis behind Daniel Ricciardo as well. But, yeah, you know, it's Mercedes, you kind of don't give them enough credit sometimes when they do get these strategy calls right, but then when they do make the wrong call, they get absolutely plastered. But they did a good job, and this shows why they're seven-time Constructors World Champions and gunning for an eighth this year. Absolutely, yeah. Big day for them in the Constructors' Championship as well. They've made some big gains on uh, on Red Bull too. Now, normally I wouldn't uh, talk about the guy who finished in seventh this early in the show, Aaron, but I feel like I've got to make an exception this time. Lando Norris, he he got overtaken by Carlos Sainz at the start after starting on his first pole position in the sport. He eventually overtook him about 20 laps or so into the race, and from then he just powered on, even with Hamilton hounding him in a much faster car he just looked comfortable Hamilton couldn't get close to him and it was just that one decision that decision to stay out you got to feel for the guy because it went from damp to monsoon conditions in a lap and it was just impossible for him yeah it was it was such a mature drive and if you if you just start with the first lap it would have been quite easy for him to panic on the brakes into turn one or into turn two even knowing that 
Carlos had a run on him and he was like he could have got a bit hot and bothered on the brakes and skittled the pair of them out of the race. But he drove sensibly, he drove maturely, took back the lead after he dropped to about two seconds back at one point and then closed down the gap because he kept his tires in better condition and he knew the Ferrari would grain up the fronts, pounced when he needed to and just drove so maturely. It was like he'd led 20 races before and, and won 10. But it's a, such a cruel thing, sport. And the rain came at the most inopportune time. And he he made a bad call, but that is that is Formula One. How many times do we see... Like you think back to 1995 at Spa, Schumacher stuck it out on dries while everyone else was on the wets. It's hero and zero stuff. If you get it right, you, you are bang in charge of your own destiny. But if you get it wrong, you can slide down the order very, very quickly. But we should not let that one decision overshadow Lando's performance this weekend. He's taken a maiden pole position with a good call to get onto the slicks at the right time, maximise that car's potential. Then he drove a really mature race, kept it all pretty much pointing the right direction until the point where you simply couldn't drive any longer on slicks. And that, that can happen to anyone. It can just be a flash shower that catches you out at one corner and that can happen to even the best. So Lando has been on another planet this season in terms of his performances. Hopefully he doesn't get too disheartened with this. I'm sure he won't. But I don't know if, if you saw the uh, interview with uh, Sky Sports. He did pretty much right after the race. It looked like he shed a few tears already. So he may even be shedding a few more later on. But he'll come back stronger. And all the greats go through something like this. You think like George Russell has gone through something like this. Charles Leclerc with uh, Bahrain 2019 has gone through something like this. They all go through something like this and they all come out the other side. So I have every confidence in Lando that he'll bounce back. Whether or not he'll win a race this season now is slightly up for debate. But if he keeps performing the way he has been and he's there for when Max and Lewis inevitably tangle again, then uh, he could be on hand to pick up the pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And McLaren are... McLaren have really got a good car underneath them. They got pole. I mean, yeah, the weather would have helped yesterday, but they got pole legitimately. And to start there and to boss the race, like exactly like I did in Italy as well, you know, like they were doing, it's it's just something we're not used to. And but they deserved it. It's not a fluke at all. So that car is very fast. It really is. And in Norris's hand as and in Ricardo's hands as well, it's been rapid. It really has been. And I feel for the guy. But He's only 21 years old. He's in his third season of F1. He's gonna he's gonna get more chances. He might get more chances this season to win a race, but definitely next year, especially if McLaren do the regulation change as well. Which, given how they've been since that Brown came into the team, since Seidel came into the team, it's looking very positive for them. But yeah, let's move on to uh, the guy who finished in second place, uh, Max Verstappen. Started at the very back after his engine change. He. Uh, you know, he was around around fifth or sixth for most of the race. He, was, he wasn't really going to get fully up there, but he got he constantly intimidated ties and he just seemed to pass everybody, Phil. And second place, it's a great result for him in the end. I think Red Bull will be very, very happy with that. And with the notion of Lewis having to probably take an engine penalty at some point here in the last seven races, if there are seven races, that getting a second place finish at a track where generally is one of the uh, hardest to overtake and all the other things that come with that basically didn't even run qualifying pace was really good but you know that's just unbelievable that's a world championship drive the guy for most of the year has been the best driver i mean he is the best driver this year so far the stats basically show that with wins and poles and all he has led the points most of the year. And this drive, you know, come December might be the reason why he becomes a Formula One world champion at 24 years old uh, to become one of the youngest world champions ever. Red Bull did. I mean, they he was in trouble on the second stint, it seemed, with the tires and seemed like he was stuck and he didn't have anywhere to go. The rain in the same way as it kind of assisted Lewis Hamilton really helped uh, Max Verstappen out. The, what is it, Crofty and, and Paul 
didn't really know how he jumped four or five cars. Possibly it was a better pit stop. Possibly it was timing. Who knows? Uh, but it's a thing where that's what you do and what you need to do in those tough spots. And I thought he would get top five. That's what they were saying they were going to get. I figured, oh, yeah, you'll get a top five finish. No problem. But to get a second place finish and literally only lose two points after or be to lose seven points or whatever it was and only be down two points in the championship going to Turkey uh, is, is a net win. And it's it's still it, I mean, this is going to go down to the wire no matter what. But for Max Verstappen, that was a championship level drive. And Red Bull responded in a tough spot for sure, uh, which all you can say is that's what they've been doing most of the year anyway. So can't really, I think they're happy, as happy, if not happier than Lewis is and Mercedes with their victory. So we'll see what happens. Seven races to go and Max Verstappen's right there. Yeah, it's a massive second place for Verstappen. Yes, he's lost the championship lead, but to finish behind Lewis Hamilton, it's it's huge for him. And like you said as well, Hamilton will more than likely have to take an engine penalty at some point. He's going to have to start at the back of the grid at one of the remaining races. We don't know where. Maybe, maybe somewhere like Sakia. If we do have a Sakia Grand Prix this season, maybe quite easy to overtake there. Who knows? It could be even the next round in Turkey. We, we just don't know. It's going to happen at some point, though, you'd have to imagine. And Red Bull have really damped done a masterclass in damage limitation helped by the rain absolutely helped by the rain no doubt but very fine drive by him in the end to do that fine drive as well for the guy who completes our podium today Carlos signs of Ferrari Jawad now like I mentioned he took the lead early on in the race he was third before the rain happened and he stayed third after that all that as well after he switched the intermediate tyres it's a brilliant drive by him and Ferrari it's very encouraging for them and it keeps them in the hunt for third place in the Constructors Championship against McLaren He's doing such an amazing job this year is science. And one of the things that I criticized Ferrari a lot about last year was the fact that they didn't have two drivers that were consistently scoring points. You know, they had a pretty shocking car. It is a lot better this year, but they still have a lot of problems. And science did talk about it after the race, saying that the front tire wear is still an issue, which we saw from him in that first stint, which is why he fell away and they had to do the early pit stop. But, you know, I think the way he drove today, he certainly deserved finishing on the podium and, you know, helped out by the rain at the end to get back up into the top three. He's had such a great season. And, you know, again, just seeing these young guys come and, you know, put their hats in the ring for the win, you know, whether it's going to be Lando or Carlos, one of the two are going to win a Grand Prix soon. And, you know, I hope it's both of them because I'm a big fan of both. Yeah, it seemed for all the world that, like I said, that Norris would win or maybe Sainz would win. You know, we'd get a new winner in Formula One today, but it turned out to be Hamilton, who's won 100 <laughs> races now. You know, we had Russell and uh, Lance Stroll as well up there in the top four at the start of the race. But yeah, quality shine for, shines through in the end and Hamilton just got the job done. But great day for Carlos Sainz. Not a great day for Ferrari, though. Like I said, they keep in the hunt for the third place in the, in the Constructors' Championship, but it's over 30 points now, the gap. On this table I'm looking at, uh, so it's, it's doable by all means, but they have lost out today. Fourth place today was Daniel Ricciardo, Aaron. I mean, taking that in isolation, that's a great result for him. Backing up his win two weeks ago as well. Disappointing, obviously, not for McLaren not to get the win today, but Ricciardo can take solace in another very solid weekend for him. Yeah, he can. I'm not sure it would have been quite so strong without the, the rain at the end because he was dropping down the order, but he ran really strongly, stuck to the strategy, looked after the tyres and used his experience to be there when it counted. And, you know, you, you can't say he didn't drive well. You can't say that he wasn't on the pace. He was very much there. He qualified fifth. Uh, he probably didn't... Did he get as many laps as Lando in qualifying on the softs? Does anybody know? I think so. Maybe one less. I'm not sure. Dinner that qualifying session was mad yesterday, so... <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot happening but yeah it, it kind of should if you take away the Monza result it would shout out as a headline performance for him but it's just a sort of nice backup performance to the victory in Monza gets McLaren out of a bit of a jam having lost the win with Lando and collects more point, a few more points for the battle in the uh, constructors 
And I think that, again, that's a good step for Daniel. He, he's shown that he's on the pace, a different type of circuit. And we go to Istanbul next, which if he can be on the pace there would prove that he's getting on top of the car, that he's moving in the right direction and he's going to be very ready for a, a tilt at more wins and potentially a championship in 2022. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Ricardo, after a very rough first half of the season, he is on the pace now. He's almost there with Lando Norris. Lando Norris classed the field today. I think he won drive of the day as well, but yeah, right, a solid performance by Ricardo today, I think. A lot more so than what we had in the first half of the season, at least. Now, Ricardo may have looked into things with the rain, but uh, Valtteri Bottas definitely looked into it, Phil. He was well outside the points. He did start at the back because of an engine change, but I think he was running around in 14th before the rain came. Fair play to him. He gambled on the intermediates. It worked out for him, but he, get, he gets fifth in the end. But the, just the lack of pace, and he didn't really put a punch of a fight against Verstappen either. That was yeah. the one thing he was sent back there to do. And it's in that sense, it's disappointing, but it's still good points for Mercedes, at least. You can say that. Yeah, that's the the saving grace for Valtteri today was the gamble and the fifth place uh, finish on with the inters because outside of that it was a absolute nightmare. Yeah, you could say he didn't uh, he got screwed in qualifying because of Lewis's you know follies and everything he had going on yesterday, but even then he was only seventh. It wasn't like he was in the top five or contending for pole. This race, I mean, I think I forget who said it or Paul said it like that, like that maneuver, that pass, not even making a defense on Max Verstappen, you know, that's why he's going alpha. I mean, like, I mean, I at least at least make him go around the outside. He probably was going to. I mean, Albon did it last year to Giovinazzi. So make him go to the outside. I mean, if he's checked out, he's checked out. I get it. But it's like if he's checked out, you need to go and put somebody who's qualifying in Q3 in a Williams on a regular basis in that car and 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 say, all right, George, your job this year is literally to just go and hold station for Lewis and be a blocker and tell Valtteri, oh, yeah, uh, we'll see you. I mean, like that's that's just not – that's that, I don't get it. It's unfortunate. He's a really good guy. And he's a solid driver, and this is one of his best tracks. I mean, that, that's another thing that makes no sense to me. You would have thought he had the pace, or good pace in practice, which is usually the case anyway. But, you know, it starts going away as the weekend goes by. And it's you have to respond there, and you have to put up a defense, and you have to actually push. And he didn't do anything for most of the race. He was just... He was back there with the Alfa Romeos and the and the Aston Martins and and the Alpines and whatever. You're, I mean, come on. I mean, even Lewis was able to pass some guys. Yeah, the McLarens were impossible, but what what's going on? You know, like what is the explanation? How does he go to Toto and all of them and say, "Oh yeah, I did the best I possibly could in that spot," um, but recovery there, being able to get Checo means you get a net positive in points. But the last lonely days of Valtteri Bottas in a Mercedes are going to definitely be depressing for sure, if you are a Valtteri Bottas fan. Yeah, without doubt. I mean, the thing is, I, I said I said before this, I said in the preview to this race, that if Bottas doesn't win this weekend, he's not going to win this season. And it's bad when the guy, arguably, I don't think it is the best car. I think Red Bull's still the best car. But a guy in one of the two best cars... You know, he had, he seems to have much less of a chance of winning a race than the likes of the McLarens and the Ferraris. I mean, even Ocon's won a race this season and here's Bottas and he's still got nothing and he's been to his best track and I just can't see him winning a race this season. But yeah, de- definitely not a five-star performance by uh, Valtteri Bottas. But if you think this is a five-star podcast, you can go on to iTunes and rate us. Yeah, I was, good. I was planning that segue for some time. Uh, <laughs> you can go and rate us five star on iTunes and we will give you a shout at the start of the show and you'll be entered into a draw to win one of these shirts it's finally come the Grid Talk merchandise is here so yes if you leave us a five star review on iTunes you're entered into a draw for that if you comment on one of our videos as well you're also entered into that draw and also subscribe to YouTube as well there's three draws for that so make sure you go on all of those. You can enter for three competitions and it's totally free. It takes literally a minute. So why would you not do it? Uh, but yes, yeah, so let's move on to the guy who was 
sick really throughout this entire race no matter what seemed to happen Jared the one consistency in this race was Fernando Alonso brilliant drive by him he was always there he made the hard tyres work excellently he just stuck his car up there and again it's very solid points for Alpine in their quest for fifth in the constructors something like 36 laps he managed on the hard tyres in that first stint so being uh, up there with Leclerc and Perez, obviously, before they all pitted. And then, yeah, even when the wet weather rolled round, he managed to keep himself up there as well. So good result again at the end of the day for Alpine. And I was saying this to myself a bit earlier as well, that the one thing I'm enjoying about watching Alonso drive this year is the fact that, you know, we're not hearing all the gripes and the moaning and stuff that we heard at McLaren and, you know, he was a bit tired and all of what was going on there. And it's just nice to see him refreshed. And, yeah, you know, this is not the Alonso we all want to see because we'd prefer him being on the podium, fighting for race wins and whatnot. But, you know, it's it's nice seeing a refreshed Alonso in F1 this year and doing quite well with Alpine as well. You know, they've um, obviously not been as great as Ferrari or McLaren, but, you know, they look like they're going to hold firm in that um, sixth spot or fifth, sorry. Yeah, he is absolutely carrying that team in the moment. Yeah, Ocon got his win. Obviously, that's a big point hole there. But outside of that, it's usually been Alonso. He's been Mr. Consistency for Alpine. And I wouldn't quite say he's back to his best. He's not, you know, he's probably a little bit past his best, but he's absolutely one with that car. He's doing excellently. He looked very, very solid this weekend. We've already covered Lando Norris in seventh. Uh, and we'll get to the eighth place, man. Kimi Raikkonen, he spent the best part of a month out of the car. He's just had COVID. He's... He's recovered from that, you know, and he's co- he's come to Russia. He's got eighth place. Yes, the rain did help him, but still, Aaron, he's he's well and truly helped clash Giovinazzi this weekend, and I don't think many of us really saw it coming. Well, you said it, outclassed him, and mm. Kimi is class. They say form is temporary, class is permanent. Kimi clearly has still got it, and if he if he'd done this and picked up an eighth place, having raced in the last few races, everyone would say, yeah, that's that's Kimi. He, he's there, he's experienced, he reads the race, he he gets the job done. But to do it, having missed the last two races with an illness, where he'd have lost a little bit of sharpness in an Alfa Romeo that probably doesn't really deserve to be in the points, that's a stunning effort. That's, that's something to be really proud of. And, you know, this might even be the last points he ever scores in Formula One. He, he, quite, he started the race ahead of his teammate. I know, I know Giovinazzi got the, the grid penalty, so they, because uh, the, the back of the grid so jumbled up, I'm not really sure where Giovinazzi actually qualified. So to be that close to Giovinazzi over one lap yesterday was a good achievement. And then to completely outrace him today just shows what Alpha are going to be losing. Now, the, the big question is where whether Bottas will fill that void, that, that sort of, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I'd call it leadership because the way we see Kimi in the, like, in the media, you don't see him as like a leader. Seem more more as a meme, but um, I've from the bits I've seen on the internet, he's a good leader within that team, and his technical feedback is really good. And obviously, if you've been driving Formula One cars for twenty years in the various different regulation phases, you'll have a big pool of knowledge to go into. Can Bottas fill that void? That that remains to be seen, but it's definitely not going to be Giovinazzi because today was a point where he needed to outclass Kimi and he hasn't Kimi has shown him up big time and that's bad news for for Antonio yeah massively bad news for Italian Jesus and it it could it could be even better for Alfa Romeo as well because Lando Norris I don't think we've mentioned this he he cut the pit exit so the pit entry line when he did eventually come into the pit so it's it's more than likely that Lando Norris would get a penalty and he only finished a second ahead of Raikkonen so lucky number seven for Raikkonen he could end up finishing seventh in this race too which whatever happens it's going to be the largest (laughs) it's going to be the largest points hole for uh, for Alfa Romeo this season by some distance it's a long long way for them to get back up to Williams but 
yeah, it's a great result for Raikkonen and that, showing just how good he is in, in difficult conditions. He showed at the start of Port- the Portuguese Grand Prix last season as well. So he's very good in these kind of conditions. Now, the guy that did not do too well in these conditions is Sergio Perez. Phil, I mean, he start he started further ahead than his teammate, but he's finished way behind him and down in ninth place. I don't think the rain helped him. To be fair, it was you know he didn't he didn't seem to switch on to the tires that well, but still ninth place. It's not what you need. And when and when Bottas flukes the fifth place, it's it's really not good for Red Bull. It turned out to be an ugly uh, result for Checo. To be fair, though, to him, I mean, I mean, yeah, the the rain screwed him over really bad because he was running pretty good. He was right there with Lewis. I think he was staying with him, putting that pressure, making Mercedes have to debate what they were going to do. Uh, I think that part was part of why Mercedes stayed out a little bit longer on that initial stint with Lewis uh, because Checo was there. They knew he'd drive like 100 laps on those tires because he's Sergio Perez. He makes tires last longer than anybody on the face of the planet. So he did that, but then that's just it was the worst-case scenario. Max goes and and the reality was – that pit stop that the I think they were one of the teams that had a a god awful pit stop and he was he that's where the race went away for him he was going to be in a position probably get a podium possible win depending on how things fall out and then they had a horrendous pit stop and the same thing happened to Ricardo too and that basically set him up to where he was stuck I mean Max got behind Fernando in that process too, because they weren't going to try to swap them. And that was where they were all going to be. And then in the end, uh, the rain came, Max and crew went and did the dice roll at the right time. Uh, Sergio side of the, the garage didn't. And it goes from probably a podium and a definite top five finish to barely getting points and wondering what if, and, it, and it's a shame because I think Sergio Perez drove one of his better races this weekend up until that pit stop that he's driven all year. And he's going to be there next year because Red Bulls run through everybody, basically. But it's not days like today where it's like, oh, man, we really could have gotten more there and it just didn't work out too well. Um, but I don't even I, I don't really blame Checo in that spot. It just was an unfortunate circumstance. Timing and everything didn't really work out too well. He was in the same boat as Lando. So I mean, we'll see what happens. Turkey, I think, is a better circuit for him anyway. I think some of these racetracks that are coming up in this last part of the season suit him and the car better. So we will see what he responds with in this last third of the season in regards to the constructors championship, because now that third place point situation is kind of iffy. He's 30 plus points behind uh, Valtteri for third in the driver's championship. So now it's really not about third in the driver's championship anymore. Cause I think Lando's the only one that really could get, get third anymore in that spot. Yeah. I think he was genuinely unlucky today to be fair. Perez, you mentioned about his bad stops. It was that chaotic the last 10 laps or so. Everything just sort of breezed by. But yeah, he did have some terrible pit stops in there too. So unlucky for him. And like you said, yeah, he got he got second place at Turkey last year. I think he looked like he was going to win that race for a little bit too until Hamilton breezed by. So a much better circuit for him coming up in two weeks' time. Uh, and that final point scorer today was... George Russell, George Russell in the top ten, getting getting a single point. Jared, this is getting a bit boring, isn't it? He's making a this is it's happening every week almost. What is going on? He's he's dragging that Williams into places it shouldn't be, especially in qualifying. Qualifying. I don't think we mentioned that he got third in qualifying yesterday as well. Third in qualifying, yeah, and he did such a great job at the start of the race to you know hold up guys like Hamilton and then Stroll is who they thought they were racing. And I think, you know, unfortunately that's where George's race kind of uh, took a bit of a downturn because they shadowed um, what Stroll did in the pits and ended up pitting quite early and took him out of contention. He did come out behind Stroll as well. So, but then in the end coming back and finishing in 10th, could possibly be more if uh, if Lando gets a penalty for what we talked about in the pit lane. But, 
yeah, he's making a regular habit of this, so it's it's great to see. Absolutely, yeah. He, he's really, I mean, he's, he's shown why he deserves that Mercedes drive so much. He's consistently scoring points, so fair play to the guy. The team that aren't consistently scoring points, though, are Aston Martin, Aaron, and I thought that Stroll was going to get some good points today after his after his mega start, but it just didn't work out for them. They just slowly slid further back and then they even collided with each other as well. It's a look for a time that if George Russell would get a sixth place finish or so, like he was looking like he was going to do, that that Williams would be right on the back foot of Aston Martin and the constructors. It's it's getting that bad for them. It is, and it's it's got a bit worse because Stroll has actually picked up some points today, but they're not the sort of points he really wants. They are <laughs> um, penalty points on his license. So uh, Ruby uh, has just put in the the Slack group that we have that he he's got a ten second time penalty. And two penalty points for hitting uh, Pierre Gasly. Yeah, that was probably so, deserved. That looked quite bad. That I think he hit him twice, maybe. Yeah, one. and <laughs> I don't. Did that happen before or after he collided with his teammate? After. After. Yeah. Okay, so that might have been why Vettel got such a good run on him. So overall, <laughs> not a very good day in the end for Lance, <laughs> which is a shame because at, at the start he was running fourth. And he looks set for a really good result. But then pitting early has kind of undone his race completely. Um, I don't know whether they went just for the undercut because it's quite powerful and they were maybe looking at a two-stop or maybe they were suffering with graining like the Ferraris were. But in the end, it wasn't the right decision. And it put them on a collision course with each other in the end. And yeah, that 11th place, which could have become a 10th place, still could for, for Sebastian. But for Lance, it could have become a 10th place depending on what penalty Lando gets. It takes him completely out of the reckoning now. Um, and he, if he'd been further up, the wet conditions are a sort of conditions he would have thrived in. So he's kind of lost out doubly there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, well, Vettel finished a lap down, so I don't think he's going to be able to jump anybody ahead of him. Lance Stroll was the last guy on the lead lap. So that 10-second penalty, I think that's only really covering him if, if Lando gets a penalty. I can't see... Norris getting much more than a 10 second penalty, I'll be honest, but I, I also don't recall this ever happening before. I don't I don't remember a penalty being applied post-race for this before, so we'll see what the stewards do to him. Yeah, very bad weekend for Aston Martin when it could have easily been a very good one. If it's not in the rules, I'm sure they'll whip something up. You know what the stewards are like. <laughs> if there's not a rule, we'll make it up. That's what we do. So <laughs> uh, They'll just close their eyes and be like, this one. <laughs> Oh, disqualification. Oh, that's a shame. No, we can't. I'm not even going to joke about that. If Lando Norris doesn't get any points after today, I'll be absolutely fuming. <laughs> he did so well today. He really did. I know I keep saying it, but it's true. Another team that had a dismal weekend this weekend was uh, Alpha Towery, Phil. I mean, Pierre Gasly, at least, has been able to drag that car into the points on a regular basis, but he was nowhere today. Obviously, wasn't held by Stroll's collision with him, but still, he wasn't really threatening the points. He finished 13th, unlucky for some, and Yuki Tsunoda was even worse. He was down in 17th, only Mazepin behind him. Yeah, the Alpha Tori team, this was definitely a throwaway a weekend for sure. Gasly usually is a top 10 contender, but they didn't have any pace. Sonoda, I mean, just, you know, because we have, we're basically like a underground George Russell fan club here on the Grid Talk podcast. The fact of the matter is George Russell's only two points behind Yuki Tsunoda in the Drivers' Championship, and he basically has only scored for three races. Uh, for, you know, like he's only been scoring points for like a month. That's not good, and it's not a good look for them. I would assume that Turkey will be more their speed. That's why they are, you know, the Alpha Tori, that's why they are in that kind of realm uh, mostly, uh, what was it? Uh, Gasly has done all the work all year, and they have a good gap in front of Aston Martin. It takes the fact that Lance Stroll likes to run into his own teammate and stuff and act like he doesn't have mirrors to go and take them both out of points. And then the Alpha Tori doesn't lose anything in that spot, but they had no pace. Gasly's going to want to forget this weekend. Sonoda's rookie year is a rookie year, and it's been very difficult for him. But, you know, you could be the second driver in an Alfa Romeo, or you could be Latifi, or you could be the Putin Oscar. So uh, in that sense, um, throwaway for Alfa Tori, unfortunate. 
um, especially with some of the stuff that happened, him getting dumped by Stroll didn't help, but they need their, like, Sonoda dropped, I don't know, seven positions at the start. Him and Mick had absolute nightmare starts, and I'm like, what is this? You have a really good car, Yuki. You should at least be flirting with a top 10, back into the top 10, like, in that next second, the third tier of the field, and it always seems like he's always in the back battling for his life there and it's not it's not promising but we will see what happens as the rest of the season goes by yeah he will uh, he will only get better of experience but he's got some way to go he's he's really not shown much consistency at all uh it's not been positive for him at all but uh, but to be fair at least this weekend the, the car just seemed genuinely off the pace not even Gasly could do better than him there's only one Gasly was only one place ahead of uh Sonoda during qualifying so Fair enough, really. Just a bad weekend for them. 14th place today was Esteban Ocon, uh, Jared. Now, I'm, I'm quite disappointed with him, really. I thought he would have done well today. I mean, especially when you're comparing to Alonso. Like, Alonso did fantastically well today. Ocon started in the top 10, but he just couldn't make it work and ended up finishing down in 14th. It's, I guess, a day to forget, really, for him, too. Yeah, day to forget. And he was up in the top 10 still during the second stint. I think it was just the wet weather that caught him out at the end of the day and you know opportunity was there for Alpine to score points with both the cars um unfortunately didn't happen other than that not much really to report about Ocon's race he's had you know we, we said before like he's had these feast or famine style weekends where you know he'll have a excellent result like he did in Hungary with a win but then you know there's other weekends where he just is not there at all or he'll be there in qualifying and then just doesn't have a good race so you know the as long as the, the Alonso result kind of hides the fact that um Ocon didn't score points but you know it's it's still not a good good look for them at the end of the day and finishing behind both the Astons and um Gasly as well who had much worse days I would say um given given what happened and everything so yeah Hakon a bit anonymous but still you know you want to be anonymous and finish in the points rather than outside considering he qualified what, ninth I think it was yeah he was up there wasn't he he was in the top 10 in qualifying but just didn't work out for him in the end 14th place for him 15th place and behind him was Charles Leclerc now he's another guy who started at the back thanks to an engine change Ferrari upgrading their engines uh, for him at least this weekend but he actually clawed himself back in his points he was even ahead of Max Verstappen at times during this race he was doing a hell of a job but then the rain hit and he did the same thing that Norris did and he stayed out and he just plummeted down the order Aaron I mean, some people were tipping him for pole position before this weekend happened, but <laughs> it's really not worked out for him in the end. <laughs> Those people who tipped him for pole position will rename nameless. They know nothing about Formula One. That's their <laughs> problem. <laughs> They've never seen the Ferrari around Sochi. Uh, so to be fair, he was hanging onto the back of Verstappen pretty well when we saw him on board. He had some serious grunt. Okay, he had the slipstream but and maybe a bit of DRS, but he hung with the, the Red Bull with that Honda Power unit, which is, by all accounts, at least equal to the Mercedes now, or maybe even a little bit ahead, depending on who you talk to. But like you said, he did a brilliant job. To First of all, his start was incredible. I think he's, he was 18th, 19th on the grid. And by the end of lap one, he was 13th, which is just, that's video game stuff. That, that's the sort of stuff you do when you put the AI on uh, zero and start from the back. Unfortunately, his good work was undone by the poor decision to stay out when the rain came. But like we said with Lando, it's hero and zero stuff. He could have stayed out and ended up second behind Lando Norris. It could have been that good. And then we'd have been having a completely different narrative. And again, similar to what we said about Lando, he's one of those drivers who will bounce back from this. He's gone through some tricky times. He's gone through that horrible season last year with Ferrari where he made that absolute dog of a car look semi-respectable. And he's not had such a good season this year, but he's been sort of bailed out at times by the fact that he's had a teammate there who's pulling his weight. And that's not to say that Seb was not pulling his weight last year. He was obviously probably a bit miffed that he'd been let go in the manner he had. But you've got signs in there who's performing well and Leclerc 
is almost free of that burden to carry the prancing horse and the weight of that history all on his shoulders. So you can kind of excuse him for gambling and coming from 19th, you, you can almost gamble come what may. So he lost today, but it, it could have been so much different had things gone his way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, you know, I've said it time and time again. The guy reminds me of Gilles Villeneuve a lot. He's just doing incredible pace in that Ferrari and he drags it to places just does not belong. Unfortunately, today it didn't work out for him, but I'm sure he's going to have some more solid points finishes this for the rest of the season. Maybe even a podium or two. You never know. But yeah, it just didn't work out for him in the end. Didn't work out for Giovinazzi either. I gave him a little mention earlier on. He finished 16th, Sonoda 17th. Uh, we had two retirements today. Uh, Nicholas Latifi, I, I think he actually did a pretty good job in qualifying, was doing all right during the race too. And then, of course, the Haas cars, one of them finished Mazepin in 18 for Mick Schumacher, did not finish. He was down in last. And, of course, I have to hand this to a, a resident American for the uh, for the American team at their unofficial race in Russia. The only Russian flag we saw this weekend were the two Haas cars. So, yeah, not a, uh, not a one to remember for them again, Phil, was it? And I still don't know what happened to Mick. They had listed him. I thought he had been listed out earlier than I think then I realized <laughs> the way they're showing it on those pit out. Okay, so that's fine. But then he was retired from the race and literally nobody knows. Maybe a Russian gangster got to him or something. But, you know, if <laughs> if not, if if it wasn't a Russian gangster, it's the fact that their cars are terrible. I mean, even, I mean, to be fair to Egghead, he did have a good start. He was up to 12th and then reality set in because their car is, is basically a dog. Uh, so then everybody passed him and then they were just out in the back in whatever DRS train that exists for running in the back. Yeah, Mother Russia, you'd come home, he can't hold his flag up or whatever, and he didn't do anything. But then that doesn't matter if it's Russia or any other place that holds a Formula One race, it's egghead for you. And then, of course, they retire the other car. Uh, but the Schumacher documentary is out there, so at least if you want to see something, see Mick and his sister and his mom and all and kind of see about the great days of the great Michael Schumacher, that's a positive I guess that's all we can say because Haas F1 kind of runs like Haas's NASCAR team for the exception of Kevin Harvick. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. It ain't going to be a whole heck of a lot these next few weeks here in Formula One. They're praying and hoping that they come up with a miracle car like uh, uh, Ross Braun did in 2009. I, I keep on asking for, for Haas to just go and get one of Michael Schumacher's cars from his legendary collection and let Mick drive that instead of having to drive the Haas car, but it won't pass the technical regulations, but really doesn't matter. You're going to be running in the back anyways. Let him at least have fun. I don't really care what Egghead drives. You could put him in a taxi cab and, and, and let him go away. That'd be good for the world. Oh, I can always rely for a few, <laughs> a few chuckles about, uh, about Haas, about Putin Haas. So uh, thank you for that, Phil. So yeah, that is all 20 drivers. Let's, Let's try and pick out our driver of the day. Now, some might say it's a pity vote. Some might say that I'm just going along with what the F1 uh, fans went along with as, as well. But I can't not give it to Lando Norris. Just that one decision, that one decision kept him from winning his, his first race. And he made that decision because he was so confident. He was, on, he was going on the radio saying, no, no intermediates. He was so confident in himself. So I, I have to give it to Lando Norris. Um, Aaron, who's your choice for driver of the day? Like you say, the easy pick is is Lando. Uh, but I'm actually going to give it to Kimi Raikkonen because missing two races, he's about to turn 41, just had COVID, uh, delivers four points for Alfa Romeo who have been nowhere near points recently, shows up his younger teammate who's uh, got uh, religion on his side. Uh, yeah, you can't ask for more and this is a guy who's retiring at the end of the year. You'd have forgiven him for just sort of trundling around with an alcoholic beverage of his choice in his other hand, one hand on the wheel, just, you know, being Kimmy. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely say that. He turns, he turns 42, actually, next month. He's even, he's even older than most people think. He's, <laughs> he's almost as old as what Schumacher was when he made his uh, when he's made his comeback. He's, yeah, And he's still putting performances like, like that. I mean, that's... 
yeah, very fine drive by writing today. Uh, yeah, good solid choice for a uh, driver of the day. Phil, who's your choice? Yeah, it's I'm gonna go with Lando too. Uh, there's he he had the race one. He had done everything he needed to do, and uh, it just went pear shaped for him. It's similar to what happened to George last year at Secure Grand Prix. I uh, guys mentioned it also with with Charles Leclerc too, or it might have been on TV with Charles Leclerc at Bahrain in 2019. Mm. But the reality is, in the case of Charles Leclerc, he responded and he won later in the year. Um, George's time is coming, and so is Lando Norris. The McLaren team has proven that after many years um, in the midfield and even at the back, that they are back and even to a lesser extent Ferrari, but the fact is McLaren is there. They're competing for third in world championship in drivers and also in constructors, and they have a chance later on today to possibly win an IndyCar championship. So uh, better days are ahead for Lando and better days are ahead for McLaren in general. Yep, absolutely. McLaren are on the up without a doubt. Uh, Jared, who's your pick for driver of the day? Yeah, I can't go past Lando either and just, you know, mature drive from the start Um, and not the first time that, you know, like Imola comes to mind as well where he was able to hold off Lewis at the end of the race and I'm sure he would have done the same, you know, and at the end of the day, everyone makes bad decisions or decisions that go the wrong way and, you know, on this occasion it's gone the wrong way for him but you know he could have easily been the hero as well in that situation if he had stayed out and the track dried up miraculously so but he yeah you know <laughs> the the image of Lando you know a lot of people before this season or last season thought of him as a bit of a joker and you know he's the meme lord he, like, he does the twitch streaming and whatnot but He's a seriously quick racing driver and he's just, you know, he's got it together in qualifying in the race as well now. Yeah, you know, if McLaren get a good car under their belt next year, you know, to put themselves in contention, I seriously think he's going to be leading him. Sorry to Danny Rick, but yeah, I think Lando might be the uh, the leading driver in that team next year. Uh, given current form and given form this season, you'd have to say it would more than likely be Lando Norris, but it should be a fantastic battle between them next season. Both up to speed now in the team, both comfortable in the speed, uh, comfortable in the sp- uh, team as well. So it's, you know, it's it's really, you know, it, sh- it should be a fascinating battle between those two and the two top drivers, two top personalities as well. So I'm sure we'll get a lot of banter for the next season as well and some top drives. Now, I've mentioned that all three of you guys are on different podcasts. You all have your own podcasts. We'll start with you, Aaron. I've mentioned that you're the man behind the Five Red Lights podcast. So where is that and where can people find it? Uh, it is on YouTube. Just search uh, five with the number five uh, red lights. Uh, we do race previews and race reviews. We're doing driver of the month votes because I think driver of the day usually is inaccurate it was pretty accurate today so actually our my my uh, next vote will be open this week so uh, i'll leave a link somewhere for people to find that find me on twitter uh, at five underscore red underscore lights again the number five and also on instagram five red lights definitely do that vote in his uh his driver of the driver of the month contest i mean obviously you say it was pretty accurate today but you did go against it you went with Raikkonen, and so uh I did, yes. <laughs> there we go <laughs> ever controversial <laughs> never change mate never change uh, phil <laughs> tell us about the gsp where can we find that yeah grip strip podcast thanks george as always a uh, former guest a couple of times made him wake up early in the morning in 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 england to do it which tells you how good of a friend he is and how much he likes pain uh but the grip strip podcast talks about all things motorsports nascar formula one indycar Basically, I tell anybody and everybody, if it goes fast, we cover it on the GSP, or at least try to, if I'm not falling asleep or some other malfunction going on with me as the executive producer, Balf. But uh, you can find it on Podbean, Apple uh, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, basically anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find the Gripstrip Podcast. We're at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter. I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter, uh, if you want to go and follow and see all that uh, my co-host josh Fine is jp huffine and he's a great sim racer uh so if you want to see his twitch stream you sailor 2 he does that 
on there. He runs IndyCars and NASCAR and all that too. So um, thanks as always, George, for having me on. Oh no, more than welcome, more than welcome. And uh, yeah, definitely head over to Phil's show if you want to hear some more unfiltered content, especially when it comes to Putin, Putin Haas and, and uh, teams like that. So Jared, uh, I've mentioned that you've got your own show as well. So what is it and where, where can people find it? Yeah, so hit the Apex podcast. I try and do F1 reviews as well, talk about all the news and bit of um, discussion around that and also the um, Supercars Championship in Australia as well. I do my best to um, keep everyone up to date with that when they are racing, which will be starting, I think, at the end of next month. They'll do four back-to-back weekends at the same track because um, COVID is still um, wreaking havoc through Australia. So, yeah, hopefully we can see out the season and do the Bathurst 1000 as well again as the final race. So, yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Hit the Apex Media. The podcast itself is on Apple and Spotify, Stitcher and, and Google. And, um, yeah, I've got my own personal Instagram, which I do usually put um, racing photography on, which I haven't done for a while either, but you can go give it a follow anyway at Dr. 46th. And, yeah. Yep, definitely check that out. And of course, it's really good to hear that motorsport is coming back to Australia. It's been far too long um, <laughs> since that last happened. So yeah, definitely check out the V8 Supercars over there on uh, Jared's show. And if you want to check out more of our shows, we are, of course, available on the F1 Chronicles website, f1chronicle.com, as well as the usual platforms, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Amazon Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. Just search for the F1 Grid Talk and all of those. Be sure as well to check us out on YouTube. We do go live on YouTube before we go on any of the other platforms. And of course, you can join the live chat where we will uh, give you give your guys a shout out, give you guys uh, answer to your questions if you ask, ask us some nice questions on there. And we're closing in on 250 subscribers on there. That's really boomed recently. That's fantastic to see. Uh, and yes, of course, as well, we do have those free competitions running. So if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, and if you leave us a comment in the video proper, not just the live chat, it has to be a, a comment in the video itself, uh, and you'll be entered into those three draws for those three different prices. Go and check out our back catalog as well. We have over 100 episodes now for you to get through, including specials like what we've done on Ayrton Senna, Tiregate, the 94 Benetton Conspiracy, and our pair of interviews with Mario Asola from Pirelli 2. And yeah, thank you, lads, for joining us. I really do appreciate it as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back next weekend to preview the Turkish Grand Prix. Until that one, we'll see you for the next one. Goodbye.